Our Father and our God, I just uh, thank you for this day. I thank you for being around godly men and, and women, the saints of this church, Father, fellow workers in Christ also, Father. I thank you for that. I thank you for the promise of the hedge of protection that you install around each and every one of us, Father. I pray that, uh, this, that your words may reach somebody today, Father, may May you give them a heart to know and eyes to see and ears to hear, Father. And uh, we pray for them, the lost, the suffering. And we also pray for encouraging of the saints in this world that's troubled and mixed up. Uh, all the anxieties that it has in it, that uh, it's just a wonderful time to gather as saints, Father. That we can come together as believers in you, Father, sojourners in this world just to bring honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we're taking off in the book of 1 Peter. Uh, Logan, my brother, chose 1 Peter. And uh, my verses are going to be uh, verses 6 through 9. I will be backing up uh, to some of the previous verses. Uh, the message would be uh, proven by the trials of persecution. So I brought some props today to some visual aids to help me. And uh, this is my first visual aid. And no, Al, I'm not trying to look like George Jones. <laughs> and, I, and I have another aid that I brought with me today. You're just, you won't even be able to figure out what this one's going to do. But, all right. but anyhow, as you can see, no, no, that's not the point. And I knew you were going to say that. This is, these are rose-colored glasses, see, and, and I know, and I've known people in my life that they live their life, they put on a pair of rose-colored glasses, and that's how they live their life, you know, and uh, a rose-colored world, perfect world. Put these glasses on, it's all better. And, you know, the problem with that is, is in this country, it's, it's kind of been an anomaly, for the past 300 years, uh, we haven't suffered persecution that's discussed in the Bible. Or, as far as that goes, persecution that goes on around the world around us. Uh, I believe when that happens that uh, people become complacent. And during their complacency, the devil is able to plant his seeds of deception and deceives. And... Uh, and how does that take place? Well, we notice when people are enjoying their sin, they're just denying God, and they're living happy with all the lust of the flesh. They're able to acquire all their, they're, they're having, what they're having is their best life now. <laughs> they're enjoying their best life now as non-believers. And believe you me, this it will be their best life now. We're our best life or in the hope that we have in Jesus to come. Amen. Uh, so they live in this and they deny God because they're enjoying their sin. Then you have another group of people during this complacency that they're angry at God because why does God do the things he does? You know, I, why, does, uh, why do babies die? Why are there wars? Why is there this? Why did this happen? Why did my son get hit by a car and die? Why? Why? Then they're angry with God. 
But see, both of them are a deception. And they take you away from God. In reality, persecution is what's always strengthened the church. Now this persecution is going around, around us. We must take off our rose-colored glasses and take a look. It took me a very short time to find an article on persecution. It was the Christian publication, World, World, Christian World, Sunday, November 20th, 2022, it was published. The ACN said its report was presented in the House of Parliament in the UK this week with the keynote address by Nigerian Bishop Judd Arganda, whose Diocese of Anda was targeted by gunmen who killed more than 40 people at a PAX Sunday service on Pentecost Sunday. This, this year, Bishop Arganda said, no one seems to pay attention to the genocide taking place in the Swiths of Nigeria, Middle Belt. The world is silent as attacks on churches. Their personnel and institutions have become routine. How many corpses are required to get the world's attention? He was quoted as saying, Africa countries saw a sharp rise in terrorist violence from non-state militants, with more than 7,600 Nigerian Christians reportedly murdered between January 2021 and June of this year. It was an 18-month period. The Catholic group said in the report, adding that in May, a video was released showing 20 Nigerian Christians being executed by Islamic terror group Baqa Haram, an Islamic State West African province. We have to take off our rose-colored glasses. I don't know why this anomaly has happened in this country for the past 300 years, but this is the real world, and this, this is what's going on. Now, how do we suffer persecution? Did, uh, did you get flagged on Facebook, or did you go to Facebook jail? What's, what's been the amount of, of your persecution in this country? Uh, we're, we're starting to see that our words may be offensive and agitate people, and they become words of uh, hate speech, maybe classified, and maybe we're going to get shadow banned on Twitter. Oh, my. Or, you know, maybe we won't get a job. You know, is this the amount of persecution we've, we've suffered in our lives? while going on that we find that this is what's going on in the world around us. And to think that uh, we have groups that say to put our trust in them, that they, they would not allow that. You would think that this would be the number one thing that we would be able to, all around the world, that believe in the God. God, my God, my saving God, as a sojourner in this world, give me a free will and a choice to choose him or not to choose him. It's not contingent upon what I do for him. It's how he loves me. So wouldn't it be the, just the right of all mankind to either rebel against God or to love God or have their own God in, in, the, in their own peace, that in their place of worship, that they wouldn't be, uh, a genocide would be committed? And we, we hear these people that tell us that they want to be able to take care of us and maybe have a one-world government and that we'll be okay. You know, anytime anybody tells you they want to take care of you, you better start getting nervous. So, but uh, 
I just wanted to bring that to our attention. In this, this letter that, that Peter writes, uh, Peter writes this letter and notes that there are going to have some very, very trying times. Over in chapter 2, verse 20, he talks about being harshly treated and enduring it. Enduring it with patience. In chapter 3, he talks about the harm that could befall them. In chapter 4, he talks about them suffering as Christians. Verse 16. And not feeling ashamed, but glorifying God. I mean, it's pretty clear that they're going to have some very difficult times. Chapter 5, verse 10. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of grace, and so forth and so on. So... I think one of the questions that arises too is uh, God's will, you know. Uh, is it God's will that this suffering take place in people's lives? And, uh, and I, I, I say yes, because that's what I read in this scripture. I'm gonna read you a scripture passage that says yes. And that seems to be a hard thing for us to, to accept. And I understand why. I. Uh, I was talking with a, a dear friend of mine, and you know, he had told me that during the, the Holocaust, that uh, what a horrible genocide, tra travesty. Why did this happen? And uh, they actually, the, the rabbis had put God on trial, and God was found guilty. They were, they asked them for proof of this, and they said, "What is it your business? What we did?" So there's no hard proof, but we could understand why and see it. And then they went and they prayed to their God. So I think sometimes I believe, now this is a personal thought of mine, I believe that when we, we can't understand God, we're smart enough to understand his word and the law. And he says, you must be more perfect than my Father in heaven in the book of Matthew. You must be more righteous than the Pharisees and the scribes. If we're smart intellectual people are understanding, they know that uh, they can't achieve that. So how are we going to do that? Well, we, we know the answer. It's through the blood and the atonement of Jesus Christ. But some people don't believe in the New Testament, and they were God's chosen people. So I believe that what they have to do is they have to lower God's standard. They have to make him less righteous, make themselves more righteous to try to achieve this. Now that's just, a, that's just a thought of mine. It's the same as the thought of how if we're living our sin, we don't need a God. And, and when God doesn't do what we want, then we hate him. Uh, so we have Peter here, and I, I, I love the, the, this world's not my home. We sang that song, and, and I tell you that just... Just opens my heart up, uh, and it makes me think about sojourners of this world, that we're, we're sojourners of this world. This is not my home. I'm just passing through. And we see here in the book of Peter that he discusses that there were sojourners that have been dispersed. It's all modern-day Turkey. Uh, it's in the same, same seven letters and the revelations that they're dispersed among these churches that have received the gospel, whether they be Gentiles or Jews that have spread abroad, but regardless, they're sojourners in a, in a persecuted world. What was going on during this time when this letter was written? 
we found, I believe it was Nero, had, or one of them guys, had burned down the city, blamed it on the Christians. Persecution of Christians was on the rise. You were going to be hunted down. You were going to be put to death. You maybe made a stake to burn all night for the, for the emperor, whoever was in charge. Persecution was going on. Persecution caused it with uh, Stephen uh, when the first persecution, when they laid the garments down and he was murdered. It caused the gospel to spread like wildfire. They, they all began to spread, went through all out the country. So this persecution was going on, and Paul writes this letter. Peter writes this letter. But I noticed something about Peter's letter. It's, it's the same genre and the same English and language that's used in the book of James. And uh, we could come into some questions there, but we're not, that's not our message tonight, how a fisherman has the capacity to write at this level and skill level. Uh, but he did have a, a, a secretary to help him write these letters. But I noticed the writing of it a, a pretty much the same as James, which is just one book to your left. And then we have the book of Ephesians, too. I, I, I want to bring that into it because I can't just start in verses 6 to 9 uh, where Logan left off. I, I need to back up why we, we need to have this. These troubles, it, it states five troubles, but I want to first start off by, uh, in the book of Ephesians, chapter one. You know, I, I love that book, and I, I got to go back to one point, because I made a statement, now I got to back it up. I said, God wills it, right? Well, in this book, Peter, chapter four, verse 19, therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. See, not only did God will it, but you must entrust your soul to him after that happens. Because it says right here, who? According to, it says, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. Peter, an apostle, and that's the first part where uh, Logan had, had talked about. And it, it, made me, it, brought, it brought me into the book of Ephesians, the first chapter of Ephesians. I, I think it's very important to understand and grasp what uh, this joy and this... Uh, that sustaining uh, power, that, that hope that we have to have an understanding. I believe if I've ministered to people in the hospital uh, dying and different people that have been depressed at different times, and I wanted to share with them what, what, what God does for you. And not only that, what God, we have a God that loves us, and Jesus that shows us grace, and the Holy Spirit that takes action and take a part of our life. And we, we see the Trinity mentioned here in the first uh, five verses also of this. But if we go over to Ephesians the chapter 1, and we start understanding everything that he does for us. Uh, He's, we're blessed with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Just as he what? He chose us. Now these are all things that God is going to do for us. I'm going to get to my other visual aid here in a minute. So just stick with me. Uh, I'm going to clean this operation up. Uh, this is what God does. This is what God's telling you what he does. He chose us in him 
before the foundation of the world. That what? That we would be holy and blameless before him. See, we can't enter into heaven unless we're perfect like our father is in heaven. We can't enter into heaven if we're, if we're not more righteous than the Pharisees and the scribes, the book of Matthew tells us. That is a serious dilemma. Well, God solved this problem for each and every one of us before the foundation of the world. He chose us to be in him to stand before an all-holy God, righteous and blameless. Thank you, God. The excitement of just knowing that should just be pouring out of our pores beyond, beyond comprehension. He predestined us adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. There was an adoption that has taken place. He, his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. The grace, that he, just the forgiveness. In him we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of our trespasses. All the wrongs, all the forgivenesses of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will. Jesus, he made known to us. He came. He manifested himself in the form of his creation to live a sinless, sinless life and to die on that cross and take all the sins of the world, every bit of it. He took every bit of that. And he... he, he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He lets us know. He walked. He did so many miracles they couldn't even record them all. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention, which he proposed in him with a view of the administration suitable to the fullness of the times that in summing up all things in Christ, the things in heaven and the things on earth in him. What else? We also, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to end that we who were f the first hope in Christ be to praise and glory. In him, you also, after listening to the message, okay, here's your part. You finally get a part in this. I don't want you to feel like you didn't take no part in it. Not that you did. After listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed. What? You were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. The Holy Spirit comes and seals us. And in 1 Peter, Peter we see how he's our protector. He carries the deed to our souls through our whole lives and he protects us that we can't lose that. It cannot be taken from us. He carries it right up into heaven. He presents it to God and we get a glorified body. Amen. Uh, this is just such good news, such encouraging news. And this is the language that, that Peter's using in, in the first uh, part of this. Who's given as a pledge. He's given the Holy Spirit a third of the Trinity as a pledge, like a down payment on that home. If you renege on the deal, you lose the down payment. How's God going to lose a third of himself? He pledges that for your soul, my soul. For who? For all those that heard the message and for all those who believe. By what? By faith. And faith is a substance of things not seen but hoped for. Okay. So let's back up to the Bible verses now. That was my introduction. 
Okay, 1 Peter 1 through 6. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. So let me try to run with this. Well, you know what? I'm going to run with it all right. <laughs> I did a message a couple weeks ago. It says, this is where I'm talking about it seems like... This, God's word seems like it overlaps sometimes, you know. I've got to prepare for this message, and I'm thinking, I'm at this part. It's like, I did a whole message on that just like three weeks ago. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Joy. The natural response to trials is not to rejoice. Therefore, the believer must make a conscious commitment to face them with joy. Uh, so in the word consider, you must not change the word from consider to count. You must count it all joy. Okay, it takes, a, it takes an attitude change within the believer right there because it's just, it's alien to us. It's unnatural for us to look at persecution or a situation. It's just unnatural for us. We need to stop right there and make a conscience decision that says, I'm going to face this with joy. Why are we going to face this with joy? Everything that I just read, read to you in Ephesians. Why? Because you believe that. Because you heard it and you believed it. And you know it. It's embedded in your heart. There's nothing that this world can do to you as a sojourner of this world. There's nothing too hard or too difficult. Consider it all joy. Commitment to face them with joy. Various trials. Trials or troubles are something that breaks the pattern of peace. See, these trials break this pattern of peace in our life, our everyday enjoyment. Joy and happiness in someone's life. The word as a verb means to put someone or something to the test with the purpose of discovering that person's nature. So you're being put to the test to discover your nature. Are that things quality God brings such tests to prove and increase the strength and quality of one's faith and demonstrates its validity, every trial becomes a test of faith designed to strengthen if the believer fails the test by wrongly responding, that test then becomes a temptation or a solicitation to evil. Testing, this means proof or proving, endurance, through tests, a Christian will learn to withstand tenaciously the pressures, pressures of a trial until God removes it at his appointed time and even cherish the benefits. Perfect. Not a reference to a sinless perfection, but a spiritual maturity. The testing of faith drives believers, drives believers to deeper communion and greater trust in Christ. Qualities that in turn produce a stable, godly, and righteous character. Complete. Wisdom. James Jewish audience recognized this as understanding and practical skill that were necessary to live life to God's glory. It was not a wisdom of philosophical speculation, but the wisdom contained in the pure and peaceable absolutes of God's will revealed in his word. This is, the, this is the joy that Peter's expressing in, the, in his letter when he says in verse in 6, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. 
so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable even through tested fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The testing of the fire. I know that silver takes seven times in the furnace to get its purest quality. I'm assuming gold does too, because why? It says it right here in God's word. Uh, and it's a perishable thing. And I never thought of it, God, uh, gold being a perishable thing. It's completely desired. I, I, then I thought, are we going to have potholes in heaven? You know, I think of things like that sometimes. <laughs> I, I don't Because the streets are going to be made of gold. It's going to be absolutely beautiful. But it's going to be the purest gold, and I guarantee you there won't be no potholes. And, and if there is, I'll be willing to fix that pothole, let me tell you. Uh, so it says, testing by a fire. That makes me wonder for the millennial kingdom for the next thousand years that people are cast into hell, you know? It's going to be a hot place or we just, you know, we're going to, what's, what's going to go on there? Is, it, is that a purification process? I don't know. But it's going to be hot. But it says it's a purification process here. So I'm sorry, I don't mean to be speaking things in here that is not here. This fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And through you have not seen him. Now this is where faith comes in, right? And though you have not seen him, faith, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but you believe in him, faith, you greatly rejoice with inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith and salvation of your souls. Now in this, it says five times in that first couple verses, it says, trouble does not last little while. Trouble serves a purpose, if necessary. Trouble brings turmoil, distressed. Trouble comes in various forms, trials. Trouble should not diminish the Christian joy, greatly rejoice. Now, we're going to get to that other visual aid here real quick. And because uh, I got to go back up now, because this, this brings me to, you heard a lot about what God's doing. You heard a little bit about our part. And last week, when Logan had read this, it, it really, it, uh, it just caused something in me to... Uh, want to go a little further with it. And, and I think I need a deeper understanding of that. When it says that according to the foreknowledge of God, back in verse 2, it says, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit. Now that sanctifying work of the, uh, the Spirit, as Logan, he expounded on wonderfully, that's God's part in changing our hearts and our souls. Even though that we're justified in being sanctified, it's a sanctification process. That word can be a part that we are uh, spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. But it's sanctifying. It's what the Holy Spirit did. It was the work. And that's the third part of the Trinity that's mentioned here. By the sanctifying work of the Spirit, comma, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. 
to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. Very important. But what is this language being sprinkled with the blood? What does this mean? We know that Jesus in the New Testament, his blood is the atonement for our sins. It's his blood that covers us, has washed us. We understand that. But this is not talking about this. This is talking about a sprinkling of the blood. This is Old Testament language. We have to go back into Moses, into Exodus 24, and find out what does this mean? What, what goes on in this this, and this is a covenant. This is a covenant between God, and it's a covenant between his people. And, it, and, and, it's, and, it's, it's, and the sprinkling of the blood solidifies the covenant that's made. And now Moses had walked up, and God had given him all these commands and all this, all this business. They just got let out of Egypt. He comes down, and Moses gives them all the words. And they said, they all said, we in our creeds, we believe with every word. And how often do we, we say that and fall short? We believe everything you say, God. I, you know, how many times did we, you know, that jailhouse prayer, you know, God, get me out of this one. You know, they're, they're all there and they're like, we're in, we're, every word, we believe it. And Moses prepares the offering, sends the young men to go and sacrifice these bulls. And there was a lot of people. He woke up early in the morning and built an altar. He began to sacrifice these animals. He put half the blood on the altar, representing God. Then he took the other half and put it in saucers. And when they all pledged to believe, he took that blood and he just slung it out on them and splattered them with the blood. And that, that solidified the covenant that they had made with God. This is the language. This is the language that's being here. That we understand what God, everything that he just did. That's why we need to have joy in our heart. Understand why to have the joy in our heart. No matter what persecution, what we suffer, to understand. And then here's our part. To obey Jesus Christ. Now that word, to obey Jesus Christ. Let's talk about that for a second. Okay? Let's go to Romans chapter 10. 10, and it says that we must believe in our hearts and profess in our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Well, who is Lord? If he's Lord, he's the kuros, then who are you? You're the doulos. Now, how are you supposed to do for, for if he's Lord? You are supposed to obey your Lord because you live for him, you eat for him, you have no voting rights, you don't own nothing. Everything is for your Lord because you're his slave. And you must profess and believe in your heart and confess that with your mouth. It's just not a simple prayer. You say a prayer and you get a pat on the back. And I'm telling you, you're going to heaven. It doesn't work that way. It's a sincere belief. And he's your Lord. Long before I accepted God as my Lord, he was my Savior. Because I didn't want to go to that hot place. Then I lived a, a godless life. See? But now he's my Lord and he's my Savior. You know? And I have the atonement of his blood. I know it. I understand it. So here's what's taking place here. This is what's taking place right here. To obey Jesus Christ and the sprinkling with his blood. Now, problem arises for more theologically minded people. Uh, you know, we are a very simple. We're very simple. I'm a simple person, by the way. But boy, we make things pretty complex. We got to just, I mean, if, if I got to make things as hard as I can. And I do that often. And we'll find, and we found in history, that that's what, that's what we do. 
we have the argument between the Pharisees and the Sadducees that went on for quite a while. The Sadducee says there, there's no afterlife, there's no resurrection. The Pharisees say that there is, and then they come with this silly story to try to trick Jesus. And this lady's husband died, then he married a brother. Who's she going to be with in heaven? And, you know, she went through all these brothers and, you know, just stop it already, you know. And they've been arguing over this for the longest time. Jesus says, well, you don't read your Bible? You don't read my, you don't know your word? That's all these guys did. They memorized God's word. They memorized it. They didn't have to read it. They had it memorized. They, they were growing up and they were singing it. They were memorizing it. And they continued to argue. And then he goes to the Old Testament, the first five books of the Bible, that they had this information in front of them the whole time. They had it the whole time. And he points out. He says, it says right here, see? I am the God of Isaac, Abraham, and Jacob. I am. I am a living God. They had died a long time ago. They knew this. One word, I am. So that kind of ended that argument. I don't want to be the guy to get up in heaven. And because I spent my time in my life arguing over a theological point. Uh, and then I have that. And, 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 I, and, and this is where this comes in. So this is what this is. Does this look like it'll fit in your head? This is your brain. This is eight ounces of, I don't know, it kind of looks like whatever's up there, cellular stuff with little electrons in it, you know. This is, this is what's in our brains, right? Uh, we, in fact, we hit our head and, you know, we, we might forget where we live. I don't know, you know. Uh, start acting silly, you know. This is, this is it. This is what's in our brain. Eight ounces of this. We're finite creatures, okay? So, how do you expect a finite creature to understand an infinite God, an infinite creator? How are we supposed to understand everything about God? So when we get to this point of scripture and it talks about everything that God did and, 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 and it feels like you feel like God has taken your free will and your choice away from you because of all his foreknowing and foreknowledge that he does know, by the way, that you feel that your, your free will has been taken away from you. But I don't feel that way because then it says, I believed. See, I believed. I had faith and I believed. I professed and I believed. And I believe that God opened the eyes to my heart. I believe God opened the eyes of the heart of the people in the desert that wandered for 40 years. And he says, until this day, I have not opened the eyes. I have not opened the eyes for you to see and a heart to know. To this day, 40 years, he kept them wandering in the desert. I believe that scripture. I believe that text. I believe both of these scriptures and both of these texts when they run right into each other. And you know what it, it doesn't say? It doesn't say, John, you need to understand this. It doesn't say that. It says to me, John, you need to believe it. This is the authoritative written word of God. You just need to believe it. That's all I need from you to do. And I want you to keep trying as hard as you can. I want you to keep praying for wisdom. But I just, all you have to do is believe. Be sprinkled, that covenant that we've made with God. And to go on to the next part of that, I'm not going to because we're, we're running out of time. I, I would just love to bring you into to what? To talk about faith. 
the 11th chapter of Hebrews, so that can be kind of be like a homework assignment. You can go into to Hebrews, the 11th chapter, and it's the faith of all godly men. And it, it talks about how Abraham, by faith, his righteousness was placed on him. It talks about his wife, Sarah, by having faith that she was beyond years to conceive, that she conceived. By faith, Noah built an ark. Uh, by faith, all these things. All these things by faith, by believing in what the Lord said, that their part as human beings, your part, by believing, by having faith first and then believing. And even Abraham, when he was told to go and sacrifice his son, and that's another hard one. But Abraham is believed to have the faith that he had the power of resurrection, that he could resurrect, even if he, he were to sacrifice his son. But God provided in that case. He provided a, a ram in the thicket. But what did God do? He gave his son. He sacrificed his son for our sins. See, and he says, all we have to do is believe, have faith and believe. So no matter what persecution or trials we're going through, and, uh, you know, I'd be lying to you if I just thought, you, thought that you are going to get the best parking space and get the best house and everything was going to be fine. I'd be lying to you. That's not what the scripture says. Uh, but it gives me the tools to understand and be able to accept it. I can always seems that we can accept the truth uh, a lot better for when things happen. I don't want people to end up being out there hating God because they wasn't told the truth in scripture that they were lied to and caused them pain in their lives. Most of uh, the prophets, the apostles, were all killed. I think John was the one that lived, if you can call that a long life on the island of Patmos. Let us just go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father and our God, uh, we thank you for this day, Father. I thank you for this facility. I thank you for all the saints here, Father. I thank you for the music. I thank you for all those who come and prepare to help uh, put this message out there. We run into so many roadblocks in our life, God, throughout our life. We have troubles and different roadblocks, not even close to persecution, Father. And, uh, but we were able to come here today, and I hope and believe that we, we brought honor to you and glory to you, Father. I pray for our family members that... That, are, that don't know you, that we can be a, a stronger presence in their life, that we can open up the book of Hebrews and learn about faith, that we can read the book of John just continually to eat it, for, to be able to share it, because by reading that book and sharing that book, one can hear it, and by hearing they can come to believe, and by believing they can spend all eternity with a glorious God. Father, I just pray these things for all of us, Father, and I pray for this nation. In Jesus' name, amen.